all of you, the nature of being human is that you're going to go through some seasons in life. Things are going to, some things are going to work out and some things are not going to work out. You can do with that whatever you want. Some things are going to work out very easily and some things are not going to work out. And sometimes uh, if, you, if you have everything that just works out for you, you're not going to be a great person because you, you need the things that don't work out to begin to form your personality and to form your character and to form your perseverance. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong in life. Uh, if you are going to date, you have to prepare that your heart may be broken. So you always run the risk of having your heart broken if you're going to date. If you don't want your heart broken, be single. Then you won't have your heart broken, but you'll be lonely. It's a different kind of pain. And I'm not going to give you single lessons today. It's, it's not the night for it. We are in a rush. Who's single in the room? Still, I'm not. Last night at the area leaders meeting, there are people that's very single. They put up both hands. We're not worshiping. How many of you have been put in the friend zone? Ooh, how awkward is that if you're sitting next to him or her? I can't see that far, but there's two people sitting there putting their hands up. That's awkward now. All right. I do have a thing to say. I'm not playing. I do. I've come here to teach you something. All right. So. Life will happen to you. Not everything's going to work out at the same time. You might get a job and then your girlfriend leaves you. So you, you were unemployed but not single. Now you're employed but single. Not everything works out at the same time. Now, that's easy things to fix. But as you grow up and you, you, you begin to become an adult... For, for men, it's about 55 years of age. I'm almost there. See, I still have a, my daughter drew a picture and pasted it on me. And I don't want to take it off. Aww. And um, so, if you, um, when you begin to grow up, you are going to, go through very difficult things in your life unless you just stay at home and hide. The things begin to become difficult when you have to begin to pay for things. Finances is probably a primary thing where life really begins to get tough. Then when you think you've got that sorted out, you're going to be in relationships and you're going to have very tough relationships because you're going to have to navigate friendships and you have to get navigate uh, colleagues' relationships and professional relationships, and you're going to navigate uh, relationships with your wife, and your wife or your spouse would be a better word if you're a girl. So, so life hurts, and so what happens is, um, 
When you go through these things, the devil don't leave, doesn't leave you alone. We, we heard it this morning that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. He doesn't stop. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't quit. He's never tired. He's never away for the weekend. He is always working, always working, looking for a gap into your life. Now, when life begins to happen to you and you go through the different seasons, what I have seen, I've seen this in, in, in medical conditions where people are sick, when they have an illness in their lives, where there is demon oppression or suppression, uh, where there is, is uh, or yes, where, where the person is, is, is very depressed emotionally, and even as a result of the demonic being in his life, where people are struggling in their relationships. So I've too often seen people begin to, to intercede and to pray and ask God for a miracle. Now, what I've seen is too often when you begin to ask God for a miracle, you can have an opportunity like this. You sit in the church services. We have hundreds of people who have a similar testimony. Said, I've sat in a service and I've felt insignificant and I've felt far away from God to the degree that I didn't know if I wanted to continue. And said to God, God, you have to do something. And then God would call you out by name or would call you out by a word that is spoken or something that you could say, okay, this I know God has spoken to me. Then you go home and you feel like, okay, I've dealt with this and then you move on. Or when we come and we get somebody to come and we pray for them, they're sick. We pray for this person and they say, okay, well, I see, we have so, I see so many YouTube videos of, of YouTubers bashing some movements of God saying that the miracles are not real. It happens in the moment, but if you go back weeks later, the miracle is gone and the person is sick again. I want to, I want to try and explain why that happens. When we then pray for you and you go home and you leave it, the problem comes back. You and your wife have a fight and you argue with one another. Now, half of you, more than half of you are single. So take this message, put it in a safe in your mind, save it. Because when you get married, this is going to be relevant. Trust me, it's not if you get to it. It's a question of when you get to it. That when you begin to fight and you, what happens the older you get, the more your life begins to settle down. When you're young, the teachers asks you, what direction do you want to study? Because you have a multiple directions that you can go in with your life. The older you get, the less the directions become. When you're at a certain age, you can't become a doctor anymore. It's just too late for you. Because if, you, if you're employed now and you earn a certain salary, you're not going to work for a year for free at a hospital somewhere else or, or, or an accountant. So the, 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 the options become smaller the older you, you get as a person. The same with you maturing into an adult. At one or another point, you're going to begin to settle and your personality is going to solidify and you're going to be who you are. Now, it happens a lot earlier than you think, but it manifests at an old age at a more mature age, when a lot of your personality is already settled between the ages of four and six. A lot of what you'll be one day is already settled when you're still a child. That's why don't mess up with when we dedicate children, we should pay attention and the parents should pay attention. And there's certain things you should do and not do. 
to a child who's still young because you can still form them. But the older they get, these things begins to solidify in your life and your personality begins to be set. And then when you have an argument in your marriage, that argument is a result of your set ways. Let me try and explain it this way. Does your parents have a set structure that they do things in? How many of you have parents that eat at a certain time? Eat at a certain day, they have barbecue. How many have like certain days you watch certain episodes on TV in front of, in the living room, sitting all together doing that? Set structures that go like that. Wednesday night is for dinner nights at a restaurant. Tuesday nights is barbecue night. Saturday nights is skok on the Vietnamese. Who does that? All right. So, so, so here's what happened. Here, here's what I see. The, I'm, I'm coming to the point. The point is, I, I think that some of the work that God does is progressive. And much of the work doesn't happen in a moment. If anything happens in a moment, why would Jesus have three years with the disciples and not just one day? Because if it's, a, if it's a download that changes and fixes your life, why can't just you have a pastor, touch your hand, that's the contact point. God comes and through the Holy Spirit, touch your life and you're a changed person when you go home. How many times have you seen people fall under the anointing and you know them that the next week they're back into their sinful lifestyle? Have you seen that? We pray for them and for an hour it's fine and then they go home. Jesus spent three, three years approximately with the disciples and up to the last year, Peter even denied Jesus. So what happens is when we pray for you, often you'll hear me say, well, the leadership would hear me say this, don't stop now, the miracle is not done. In your marriage, when we pray for you, I'm trying to connect while knowing that half of you are not married. Who of you at least is engaged? Also, not a lot. Who's dating? Who wish they were dating? <laughs> I find that very seldom does God do a thing and then walk away and leave you be. Even if we pray for you, there is something that has to happen on your part. If we pray for a miracle in your life, that miracle is, is God doing a thing in the moment, but you maintain that miracle through your changed behavior. You, you maintain that miracle in your life by, he says to the woman at the well, uh, or, or the woman caught in adultery, your sin has been forgiven. Who, if, if the, where's your accusers now? There's a verse for you. Where's your accusers now? The, the woman turns away. She, he says, go and sin no more. Because if she sins again, whatever he forgave now would just be repeated tomorrow. It is the same with miracles in, 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 in when you're sick. When we pray for you and God does a miracle in your life, if you are, have a heart issue because of eating the wrong food and we pray for you and right after we prayed and you believe that God healed your heart and you opened the veins and you don't need heart surgery and you drive straight away to McDonald's and you stuff your face with French fries, you're negating the miracle. How long will it be before you need the same miracle again? And what are the odds of you getting the same miracle again if you didn't pay attention to the first one? 
I guess what I'm trying to tell you, many people never experience the things of God because they refuse to change. They, they don't, they think the miracle did the work for them. What the miracle does is it sets you in motion to walk in the thing that God is busy doing in your life. Now, I need to get this principle across because I don't, I don't know if we understand it. Jesus prays for the man who could not see. You can find the verse, the scripture for me, the man that could not see, and he saw people as trees. Try and put that up there. So Jesus gets the first person, he prays for him, and he says for him, what do you see? Do you think either Jesus didn't have enough faith or the man didn't have enough faith? Do you think it's either of the two or possibly neither of the two? Because Jesus prays for this man and his eyes still doesn't open up. He see, and he looked up and he said, uh, just before that, let's start with the, where it starts. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. Let's go back. Let's make that our core text. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. 23. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. And when he had spit in his eyes, he put his hands on him and he asked him if he saw anything. So Jesus takes this man. Watch this. Uh, let me take my... Uh, he's the blind man. So he's in... What, what's the city? He said Bethsaida. He's in Bethsaida and he is blind. Jesus wants to heal him. If Jesus could tell a guy by the pool of Shalom, not Shalom, Bethesda. It's very difficult to, to, to remember these names seeing that we're living in Montana. And so he, he says to the guy, pick up your mat, you're healed. This layman after 30 years picks up the mat. Not a big deal. Jesus just heals people all over. Do you think that Jesus walking past this man doesn't have the ability to just stop and say, you're healed? Can't he do that? He can, obviously he can, he's sovereign. He can, and in a moment, he can, I, I always like to imagine how far God can take it. God can erase the history that this man was blind and have everybody not know that he was blind. If God wanted to be funny about it. So he says to this man, I want to get you healed. So he takes his hand and leads him. So this man's miracle is in God leading him out. If he is not following Jesus out, Watch that verse, takes him by the hand and leads him out of town. He leads him out of town. This is the start of the miracle, but it's not the miracle. So many of us begin to walk into what God is busy doing into our lives, just stay there in out of town. <laughs> many of us begin to experience what God is doing in the initial part where God begins to lead us out. All right, so you are led out, you are led out of your drunken Friday nights out. You don't see. This seeing is, 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 is not only, I don't see physically, although this was an actual physical miracle where Jesus caused the man that we could not see physically to see physically, but we're talking about our spirituality and it translates into our world. Many of us don't see the things of God and just with one conversation to a guy that has a better argument than to you, even though it might not be truth, you can throw all of this away. That's why people leave the church. If people could really see, why would they leave? So, so, so Jesus is helping that man get to a place where he can begin to see, but he doesn't 
finish the whole process. That man is let out. Too many of us are let out and think that's the end of what God needs to do. And I can just camp out by being out. If I just get out, the miracle's done. That man still cannot see. But the first step was still in hand with Jesus. It was still Jesus leading him. He still can't see. Many times when we pray for you in your marriage or we, when we pray for your sickness, you leave this place thinking, I can't, I'm not, I'm not better. My legs don't work yet. My heart is not right. My stomach ulcers are still there. I still feel depressed. I am still single. I'm still unemployed. You leave the place. You're out, but you're not there. And then you go back to your routine. And, and I'm, I'm questioning if we pray for you in front, like tonight, if, if God wills, and, and Pastor Louis prays for you, and the anointing of God comes upon your life, and there is a manifestation, because I believe in the, the experience of the gospel, not just in the theoretical gospel. We don't just have theory about God. We have experience with God. I would much rather just experience God than to be able to explain God and not know Him. Okay. What would be better? To be able to get in a space shuttle and go into space or just point to it and talk about it? And so He leads this man out. He is still blind. Now Jesus, do you think when Jesus begins to pray, He can miss? If I pray, I can miss because I see partially, but Jesus is God. Let us not be confused. Jesus is not hiding his Godhood. He has come in the flesh and he is, he is functioning in the flesh. So he allows himself to feel what the flesh feels, but he is still God. That's why when they think a thing, he says, what are you thinking in your heart? And then tells them because he is still God. So when God, now he prays for this man. And so he took the blind man, led him by hand out of town. And when he had spat into his eyes, which is a radical thing that you need God to do for you, is God spits in your eye. How many of us will not allow that to happen to us because it's an ego problem? How many of us never get into the healing that God has for us, deliverance that God has for us, the provision that God has for us, because the journey there touches my ego. Now, it's a nasty thing that Jesus spits in his eye. At one point, Jesus makes mud with the soil and rubs it on the, is it the guy's eyes. You could read into that, that you are from soil and your soil is broken. And God, your so, and soil mixed with God's DNA heals what is broken. I don't think you should go and spit in soil because it's not your DNA that's going to fix it. And I can, and, and me spitting in your eye is not going to help either. So I'm not going to do that. But Jesus is spitting in a person's eye. How many of you would go like, if you just met this person that they are saying is Jesus? Go like, yeah, spit in my eye. If you are blind and have never seen, and it's a possibility of seeing again, how many would then allow him to spit in your eye? So your need determines what you'll allow. Is that... Okay, watch. I'm trying very hard. When Philip is an evangelist, the eunuch 
is in service of a, uh, he's an Ethiopian eunuch in service of, I can't remember the word or, or, or the location of which he was in service, the, the Ethiopian king or something. Nubia. In service of Nubia. So he is a, an official of a high-ranking government head. I think the princess or something of Ethiopia. And so here comes Philip and he's reading scripture. He is elevated on the cart, but Philip's available. Philip is the only one that is there that can explain the gospel to him. If his ego got in the way of, I'm too elevated to speak to a guy called Philip, he would have missed the gospel. Sometimes you have to take what you can get. All right, so Jesus, uh, some of us will never get a miracle because it, it requires of us to step out of what is us. If you are standing in a church service like this to test it, you'll leave like this, having received nothing. Because you are in the way. If you say, Jesus, don't spit in my eye, proverbially speaking, Jesus, don't spit in my eye, you are in the way of your own sight. So before Jesus spat in his eye, what did he do? Took him by the hand. God's hand in your hand. And he led him out of town. Why does he lead him out of town? What's in town that would hinder his miracle? What do you need to get out of for God to do something for you? You're asking God to do the miracle while you remain where you're, where you're at. Let me, let me try and explain this. You want to be you and Jesus does the miracle without you losing you. This is how I do my Wednesdays, God. This is how I spend my Saturdays, God. In other words, my culture determines my schedule. Don't disrupt my schedule. To do, it's not nedar. Jesus leads him out of town, out of his structures, out of his familiar familial place where his family is at, where his structures are at, his social circles are at, his recognition is at, his voices are at, his nightclubs are at, his rugby team is at. He leads him out of the place of his comfort. Because sometimes God can't fix your marriage in your comfort. You refuse to change things that you need to change, but you don't want to change it because you're comfortable in it. You're blind and you don't know it. And so Jesus takes this man. You have family that are experts in Christianity, just not active in it. We all have an uncle that never said anything about Jesus until you got saved. Now that you're saved, he wants to talk about Jesus. Why didn't you do it when I was a drunkard? So he takes his hand, Jesus takes his hand. They brought him the blind man and now he takes the blind man from them. Why doesn't he heal them amongst them? Because if he heals them amongst them, he'll remain amongst them. He needs, them, he needs him out of them. So many of our miracles that we're asking God for can never stick because we refuse to change it. 
If you refuse, let me say this. If you come out of a, a region, I'm trying to teach in this whole story. I'm still getting to my point. The point being is that many miracles don't happen because we think it has to happen in an instant, but there are things that, that adds to it. There's variables that is at play in it. If you stay in a certain region that is stuck under uh, alcohol abuse and your parents misuse alcohol and your dad and your mom has arguments all the time and they fight all the time and, and, and alcohol abuse is, is rife in that house and you grow up in that house, that's your normal. To you, this is abnormal. You have people that comes from dysfunction and still judges the church. Because what is normal is still not normal to them because they are more comfortable in their dysfunction. And so God can't heal you until you're in agreement that you have to get out of your dysfunction. You have to get away from that, that thing, stay out of it and, and tell yourself, although I honor my parents, I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want to be a person that beats my wife. I don't want to be a person that disrespects my wife. I don't want to be a person that ends up in divorce. And to do that, you don't just pray and God gives you a wife. There has to be things that changes in you. And so God has to lead you out by hand. So the first thing is God takes you out. Second thing is he spat in his eye, which touches his ego. All of us goes, oh, this gross. Real hell, workings of God's spirit in your life is not five star. Jesus doesn't do that with gloves. He is not working with you as if you're a movie star, not to offend you. Because much of what God offends is what is exactly in the way. And so he spits in his eyes and now he asks him, put that verse up. He says, what do you see? And his response is, I see people. And I didn't read, that's it. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So this man doesn't see yet. Is the miracle done? Many times when God is busy doing something in your life, don't quit praying the moment you see a change. This is, this is my point. Most people lose what God is doing because they quit before it's done. We have as humans this nature that we very seldomly finish what we start. There are the number of school finishers. I don't know the number, but it's, it's worse than you think. People getting into grade one and finishing grade 12. You'll be blown away by the limited number of people that actually go the whole way. How many people do you know signs up for university and quit after three years or two years? Quit before they finish. Sign up for U school, never finish it. Uh, sign up for becoming a U group member, doesn't even finish, a U group leader, doesn't even finish first year. We're a bunch of quitters. We quit long before something is done because we think we've learned the lesson. Imagine Jesus looks at this man and says, what do you see? He says, I, says, I see people walking as trees. What is he, how does he know what a tree is? Has he ever seen a tree? Has he ever seen someone walking? Maybe God is not asking him, maybe God is restoring something else. And this I preached before. That he sees men as trees because the Bible says you will be like a tree planted next to streams of water. Maybe his perspective of people is the problem that he can't see. And so before God puts his natural sight back, God has to put sight in his mind back. Because we all have mental pictures. 
Your mental framework, the way you see the world, determines if you're here tonight or not. Determines how you leave this place. If you have a mental picture that is always critical of everything everyone does, there are people that will find fault with this service tonight and leave empty-handed because their mind picture, not their natural picture, is limiting God's ability to work within them. You're, you're either, most people are acting as pessimists that everything is wrong, everything is negative, everything is falling apart, nothing works out, no one is good enough, and through that mental picture, you want God to do a miracle. Before God can do the miracle in the natural, God has to fix your inside. And for God to fix your inside, you have to be willing to let go of how you see the world. You have to be able to say, God, I'm changing my worldview to be more aligned with yours because you are more likely when you are aligned with God for God to begin to do a miracle in you. Do you think Jesus missed the first time he spat in his eyes that he could not see properly because Jesus was too weak that day? It never says Jesus didn't do miracles because he was unable to do miracles. He did not do miracles because of their unbelief in his own hometown. It's never that Jesus couldn't. There, it was on their part that Jesus couldn't work. So Jesus is not missing. I'm thinking that Jesus, because he sees men walking as trees. Next verse. Then he put his hands on his eyes and again made him to look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. He prayed, now you can sit down. He prayed a second time. When you pray for your, over your life, you need to be persistent. You, we call it perseverance, which is one of the, the, the subjects that I that speak about. You have to be able to persevere. And most of the miracles that God is doing is not done the moment you leave the church building. It is done by you. Uh, okay. Put up the story of Noah. It's in Hebrews and it's in Genesis 5. Genesis 5 and the Hebrews, the, the Hebrews, uh, it's probably like fifth or sixth verse in Hebrews 11. Genesis chapter 5, the story of Noah and there was giants. I've got four minutes. Any moment. Noah is living in a place where the, the sons of God went into the women on the earth and they had children by them and God was not happy. There was giants on the earth in those days. They were also after the, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those who were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of their thoughts and heart was only evil continuously. The Lord was sorry that he, next verse, it grieved his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man. Next one. But Noah, but Noah, verse 8. So there was giants, men of renown, and God said, I'm going to destroy them and wipe them out. God was sad that he had made men, mankind. Right? Then this verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So long before the flood came, without Noah knowing, he had found grace in God's eyes. He had found grace as if it's something that you can look for. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Next verse. This is the genealogy. Go on. Noah walked with God. Noah got three sons. 
The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was full of violence. The God looks up on the indeed it was corrupt. Next, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through and through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Now go to Hebrews 11, when it says Noah. Hebrews 11. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. By faith Noah, divinely warned of things not seen. So Noah's family is in danger. God, he, he sees the violence and he sees everything happening around him. And because he sees this, it begins to change his behavior. He can either side with the giants, the men of renown. The Bible says there were, these were the days of the men of renown. So he could side with the giants or he could say, I don't side with them. I distance myself with them. And him distancing himself with the giants caused him to find favor. And now Noah, by faith, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He begins to move. If we're praying for your marriage tonight and you go home thinking that Louis did all the work, you're mistaken. Louis did nothing. He simply prayed for you. You're going to do the work. What Louis has done is asked God to be in your work. In your work. So if you, if you, tonight are addicted to cigarettes and you come in front and we come in agreement with you, area leaders or pastors that's praying with you and grab your hand and we say, in Jesus' name, we rebuke the spirit of addiction. Do you think that spirit of addiction goes out when you walk out and go like, I can't wait for the next smoke. That spirit, as he was leaving, hears you say that. Walks right back to you. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The work begins when we pray, but you can't fully see. You're being led out. And now, let's say you drive out and reluctantly you grab that cigarette again. And you do smoke it again. And you believe God. Now, that fight might take you. It took me. I didn't smoke. Six years for other people. Every single day, there was a fight against that thing. For six years to get rid of something that took a moment's stupidity. Do you think they never prayed for me? They prayed for me. They prayed for that person. They prayed for the other person. Prayed for that person. Prayed for that person. And prayed for that person. For six years, there was a fight. Until one day, it's gone. Don't know how it happened, just gone. Gone. Don't think that one night falling on the ground fixes your life. Your depression may not leave because when you get in your bed tonight and you put on the notebook. <laughs> you're inviting your loneliness back into the room and you're refusing to, to get out from the place that's caused you to be blind. You need to get upset with what is around you. So while we get an agreement with you, you're still fighting for it. Now, 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 um, what I'm saying to Chanel is if I'm addicted to overeating, which you can clearly see is not my problem, I might be addicted to not eating. 
The answer is not, if you want to stop overeating, is to get rid of all food around you. Because that's not healed. When that person quit smoking, they're not even listening. They, they didn't get rid of smoking because they removed all cigarettes from all shops. In fact, that person's dad kept on sending him to the cafe to go buy him cigarettes. So the answer is not getting rid of the cake in your fridge. We're saying if you have a porno problem, the girl should dress more modestly in the church. Now that's not the solution to your porn problem. Your eyes is the problem, not her clothing. And so the answer is not to re remove all these things. But at the same time, it is also so if I do go to Woolies and buy the, the nicest chocolate cake and put it in the fridge and just walk past it and smell it every day, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get over overeating. It's, you are not going to get to that place if you keep smelling the cigarette. There are changes that you need to begin to make in your life. If health is an issue, we can't pray, 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 and you keep eat, eat, eat. Somewhere along the line, you have to say, should I change my diet? You're medicier. You're sick. If you keep telling your friends how hurt you feel, if you keep telling your friends how lonely you are, stay lonely. Because you don't want to be healed, you want attention. That attention has become the drug that makes you feel better. If you want the church to be fixed, stop criticizing it, start working for it. But you don't want the church to be fixed and you don't want to serve it. You just want attention. That's why you criticize it. You only criticize what you're not part of. Let me tell you right now. You only criticize what you are not a part of. Because I'll never criticize my children. They're mine. Are they perfect? Yes, they are. <laughs> they're not perfect, but I'll never tell you that they're not perfect. And I'll never tell them that they're not perfect. I'll tell them and I'll encourage them and I'll love them because they are mine. I'm not going to criticize them because they are mine. You criticize what you're not a part of. And anytime tell, someone tells you he's a Christian but finds a problem with your Christianity, he's not a Christian. Maybe he's a Christian, but he's just a stupid Christian. He's not a very effective Christian. Because you can't, if you're part of the church that Jesus is building, how do you find fault with it? Do you think it fixes it? Did anybody who criticizes the church fix it? Is it fixed now that you said it's bad? Your marriage will not get fixed if you are not going to be able to go through the process of changing certain behaviors. The solution is you beg God consistently and you persevere. The, the parable that comes to mind is the parable of the persistent widow. Put that on the screen. Here's another scripture for you. And we'll close with the scripture of the persistent widow. The persistent widow. Let me tell you the other sermon that I wanted to preach is still a two minute. I need to leave, but I've got time. David, here's my story about David. David is anointed to be king. Samuel comes to his house, pours out the oil on David's head. David is anointed to be king. His dad sends him to the battlefield. This is a very small summary of the story. I told it to the air leaders the other, the other week. His dad sends him to the battlefield. He walks on the battlefield and there's a giant shouting. To whom is the giant a threat? To the nation 
of Israel. I'm giving you the answers because I don't have time to wait. A giant is a government problem. The giant taunting Saul and his armies is a problem for a king to handle. The reason his brothers never fought the giants because the, his brothers were never meant to be king. Because David was anointed to be king, king problems got his attention. Very good. Because kingship was on him. He is unable to walk past the giant that is a threat to a king. I see you. His brothers never, the giants didn't bother him. Eliab was upset with David. Because that was his level. He should have not been upset with the king. He sh if he was a king, he would not be upset with the future king. He would be upset with the giant. But there's no king in him. What's in you? Because what makes you upset tells me something about what's in you. And if you're upset with the church, do you think it's Jesus? If you're mad at the church, don't you think it's the spirit of the Antichrist? It's operating in you. You should be for the church and you should see problems that offends the church because that's the anointing that's on you. Get the anointing of God in your life and then begin to determine for yourself. He spoke a parable to them. The men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart saying there is a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from, the, from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Yet because this widow, uh, then the Lord said, uh, yet because the widow troubles me, the unjust just said. Hear what the unjust, then the Lord said, Here, is that the same thing? Hear what the unjust judge said. Okay, that's the Lord that's saying it. Okay, now I understand. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? He's saying that the persistent widow got a man that's not even saved to, to change his heart because she persisted. How much more if you are unrelenting in your pursuit of God's will for your life, you think God's not going to answer you? Elijah says to the prophet, go check if there is a cloud because rain is coming. His young assistant comes back, there's no cloud. He goes, says, are you blind? Go check again. Because he is so convicted in him that there's a cloud coming. He doesn't care if his assistant says there's no cloud. Go back again. Seven times. We go three times. Oh, ek is nog steeds siek. Oh, my evil sickle nog steeds. My children are still not good. My teacher still doesn't like me. I still can't get a date. And you quit. Seven times this prophet sent him back. Go check, there's a cloud coming. The moment we come in agreement in prayer, it's done. It's done. He says, we two or three agree on a matter, so shall it be done for them. When we pray, it's done. You just have to begin to walk. I didn't finish Noah's story. So by faith, Noah began to build an ark that he could not even understand that rain was coming. So without seeing what he was doing, he still walked out because he, his actions caused his whole family. Everyone that Noah found favor, but his wife got saved. Noah found favor, but his children got saved. Just because Noah had understanding of how to act in faith, his life changed. Imagine your families where they could be 
if you begin to walk out what you, what you hear and believe God say, just because they're attached to you. Father, I pray tonight that you would come in this place and set people free. That you would give them liberty, liberty to the captives. Tonight, you are restoring people to their rightful place as children of God. To rule and reign and have authority and dominion. To trample on scorpions and pick up snakes and they will not hurt them by any means. They can drink poison and, and will not die. These are your children, God, filled with your Holy Spirit. Sit on a mountain lifting up high the name of Jesus the Christ. We are a city on a hill who cannot be hid. For the name of the Lord is on our lips. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. He is about me all day long. He encamps me on every side. I am covered by the wings of the Lord my God. He is my refuge and my fortress. To Him I shall run and underneath His wings I shall hide. He is my hope in the stormy seas. He is my anchor that will not let it go. I thank You Lord that in this place Your people they are lifted up when they lift You up. Jesus come tonight. Touch someone's life. Set them free. Do a miracle in this place tonight, in Jesus' mighty name.